And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Fantastic. Come on, put your hands together, church. Done so good. Well done, well done. Keep clapping for the band who have done a great job this morning. You guys are awesome. Excellent, excellent. One of the, as Danielle said, we've got three great kids, uh, Jackson, who's in Sydney, Mitch and Gemma, who are here uh, with us this morning, and uh, I love being a dad. As I said, it's so rewarding. Uh, that One of the things that I always told my kid is my role, uh, ultimately, uh, there's a certain age you're going to get to, and I'll, I'll no longer be the chief kind of instructor or boundary setter or disciplinarian or, or whatever, but I'll still be your dad. And I, and my friends tell me, you never stop being a dad. I'll still pray for you. I'll still encourage you. Uh, and one of my, the roles I often said is, is my role is to be your coach. I'm, I'm going to coach you in your life. I'm going to coach you with wisdom from God, uh, just as I've been coached. And I've been hinting for many years for a gift that reflects that thing. And yesterday I finally got it. I got my hat that uh, says coach. So today, in honor of being a dad, I'm going to wear my coach hat, uh, and uh, that's why I've worn a little bit of a casual clothes. Some of you can't probably see me too well because of my camo. Come on, the dad jokes. So, uh, so it wouldn't be Father's Day if I couldn't tell a few dad jokes. Who, who's, a dad, who's, got a, some great, who's a great dad joker? Come on, give me a wave, dads, if you've, you've got the gift of dad jokes. Come on, oh, there, should, there should be way more than that going on. Let me just tell you a few because I can and, it's, da and it's, dad, it's Father's Day. And this is one of the important roles of being a dad. If you went, Josh, just start practicing, save them all up, okay? The best ones just happen in the moment where, you know, where someone says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, no, I'm really, what do I, one of my kids would say, I'm important. And I'll go, oh, hi, important, I'm John. Just, that's, that's the classic simple dad joke that you can always use. All right, here we go. I got fired from my lawn maintenance job. I just wasn't cutting it. Uh, come on, that's not too bad. Uh, okay, in college, I was so broke, I couldn't afford the electricity bill. Those were the darkest days of my life. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I kind of like this one. Uh, my girlfriend was furious when I told her I'd put ginger in our curry. She loved that cat. <laughs> that's, that's actually quite funny. Apologize to all the cat lovers out there, especially if your cat's called Ginger. I'm really sorry. I apologize for that. All right, this, this might ring true for some of you. Your wife might have sent you. I went to the doctor with hearing problems. He said, can you describe to me the symptoms? I said, yeah, sure. Homer's a fat dude and Marge has got blue hair. <laughs> the symptoms, the Simpsons. The, yeah, come on. Come on, if you've got to explain it. All right, here's one for the soon-to-be fathers. My wife's pregnant. My doctor asked me if I'd ever been present at childbirth before. I said, yep, just once. He said, what was it like? It was dark, then suddenly very light. <laughs> yeah, no, just, just, do you want some more? Okay, you know what the best, I'm on, I'm on fire. You know what the best part about Switzerland is? Well, the flag is a big plus. You're awesome, Bruce. You can see he's just laughing every joke. I love it. All right. To all the dads, we love you and we salute you. Uh, keep telling those Father's Day jokes. All right. Today, uh, I'm going to be coach as as I tend to see my role, or one of my roles as a spiritual pastor is to be a coach and to help us apply the Word of God to our lives. And So I'm going to do that today, but I'm going to do it a little different. Today, I'm going to particularly preach for the men, because it's Father's Day. I'm going to preach for all the men. Now, girls, 
you stay here and the stuff applies to you, obviously. But I'm te- I'm, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you. I'm going to preach a little bit straight down the line. It's just because I know you like it straight. I, like, I know you like it, you know, maybe light between the eyes a little bit, just whatever. Okay, just, just because we don't have a, a conference this year. And so who, who's up for it? Who's ready for me to preach? Okay, and girls, you will get something out of this, uh, I, I promise you. I want to talk today about a keystone habit. A keystone habit. Yeah. Your life will be, a ref- will be a reflection of the habits that you have. Everything you do in your life, every habit that you have develops your character. Then out of your character comes your life. And so, so your life is really, ultimately, it becomes a byproduct of the, of the habits that you have, the thoughts that you think, okay? And so keystone habits, and so just, to, we've got a little visual here, a keystone is this. It's, it's that particular piece of stone in an archway. Sometimes it's called a capstone. It's the wedge-shaped stone at the apex of a masonry arch. And what happens is when you put that in place, all the weight of all the other stones come together. And without that particular keystone, then they would fall over because they, the, the weight would pull them down. So if you don't have the keystone, it doesn't work. So, so I, I find that in life, and you may have heard some people talk about keystone habits, that there are certain habits, if you want to be, have good habits in one area, there will be certain keystone habits that will then set you up for all of the other habits. Okay, so for example, and we can, uh, we've pulled that down, that's awesome. For example, um, I, I know a guy who said, I'm going to be more disciplined in my life. So I, I, and so he said, I hate flossing, but I'm going to make a decision to floss and every time I floss in the morning, my, it sends a signal to my brain that I'm a disciplined person, and it sets up my whole day. He says, when I do it, I find I'm way more disciplined during the day than when I'm not. It's my keystone habit. Someone else said to me recently, uh, making their bed is their keystone habit for discipline. Uh, so if, I do, if they do that in the morning, get it all set up, it just gets them into, I do the things I don't like doing because they're good for me and that it reinforces discipline. With your finances, your keystone habit would be tithing. When you're a tither, what you're saying is I break the power of money and lack over my life. I put God first in my finances. I'm trusting that he's going to look after the 90%. And that one decision, that one habit begins the process of setting up all the other healthy habits for your finances. Okay. So today I want to talk about a keystone habit for being a dad. Okay. A spiritual dad, a dad, a dad grandfather, a future grandfather, and, and it's something that I'm delighted to say that I learned from my dad. Uh, my dad was a, a man of God, a godly man. He was a missionary in the Northern Territory to Aboriginal communities as a, as a farmer. Uh, he, he's a Victorian farmer, and at 54 years of old, unexpectedly, he had me. So some of you have still got time. Some of you got time for two or three more, four or five even, all right. But I came along as a miracle child, uh, not the immaculate conception, but just miraculously unexpected. And I, I came along and my dad uh, w- was very caring, loving. He is very affectionate physically. And so, so as a physical touch guy, that really spoke love into my life for many, many years. 
And one of my great memories of my dad is his keystone habit, spiritually, that flowed into our family of every morning beginning the day with prayer and reading the Bible. And I've got a photo here when we're in Toowoomba and he's retired. And this is, this is my dad. He's probably uh, about 70 years old in that photo. Uh, we're in Toowoomba. He's got his feet in the bread warmer of the oven. Okay, because he, he called himself a frog. Cold weather, he hated it. And so we, we, had, this, we had this place in Toowoomba and we used wood, fire, wood to, um, to stack up our electricity, if you like. It does sound like I was living in the 50s, but this is not true. Uh, and so my dad would keep the fire going because that would heat the hot water. And so we didn't have to pay for hot water to be heated and it would be always on. It would heat up the whole house. And at the bottom of this, of this wood stove was a bread warmer. And I'd come in there in the morning and he'd have his feet in there. He'd be reading his Bible and I could hear him praying, usually from about five o'clock in the morning. That keystone habit of praying for my mom, praying for my family, I believe that, that what God's doing in my life and in generations to come is, is largely can be attributed to the keystone habit that my dad had of praying at the beginning of the day. And I want to talk to us today and I want to talk to, to the fellows who like me about what I believe would be a keystone habit for us that could set up and set up our futures, that could change some of our history in terms of redemption of things that have gone wrong, that if we would, we would adapt a, this particular habit of seeking God in the morning, that it would change the dynamic of our family and our life. So this is what I want to talk about. I've got three thoughts. My challenge is ultimately, I'm going to ask at the end of the service, uh, for the men particularly, if you would take a 21-day challenge, that for the next 21 days, that you'll pray for 10 to 15 minutes, either at the beginning or end of the day, every day consistently, to create a habit. And I'll tell you why out of this, this will transform your life, and it will ultimately transform your family's life. I know from my own experience, and many of the men in this church, are we ready to go? All right, the first thing is I want to tell every man in this room that you were made for war. You were made for war. Let's, let's turn to our text at the start of this scripture, and it's 1 Samuel chapter 30, and it's about David before he was king. He'd been a shepherd, and he'd served Saul, and now he's, now he's on the run from Saul, and he's, and he's got these men, 600 guys, and they're raiding cities, and, and they're destroying God's enemies, and they're, and they're kind of living off that, and they come back from a raid to their city called Ziklag, and it's been burned to the ground by the Amalekites. The Amalekites are those demons that attack your family. All right, here we go. Let's have a look at this scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 30, and it goes like this. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Next verse. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. You might be in church today and something catastrophic is going on in your life and you're finding like you've got no more tears because you've been crying and crying and just can't seem a way through. I want to tell you today that God has got a way through for you. God has got a way that he'll turn the situation around if you open up your heart. And David's two wives, there's a problem right there, but we'll move on. Ahinahem, blah, blah, blah. And Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now, David was greatly distressed for the people, this is his men, spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved 
every man for his sons and his daughters. Last week, I preached a message about making major decisions, markers for major decisions. If you're making a major decision, I encourage you to listen to last week's message. It will help you. But one of the things that that, that I want to reinforce when you're making a major decision in your life is that grief will mess up your soul which will mess up your radar for making good decisions. So the times of emotional upheaval are the times not to make major life-changing decisions because you'll do things you regret when you're emotionally upset. So when you're emotionally upset, focus on getting healthy before you make a major decision that's going to affect everything. All right, just that was a bonus. That's not even today's message. Okay, back to, that, back to where we were. Okay, so everyone's grieved. They're talking about stoning him. I love this, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. He, he knew as a worshiper and a warrior, he knew how to strengthen himself in God. He spoke to himself. He encouraged himself. The Psalms are full of David doing that. So then he said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. In the Old Testament days, every believer didn't have the Holy Spirit. That Jesus hadn't made a way for that yet. So the way that they would get guidance from God was through the priest and through the ephod. It, was, it speaks of the Holy Spirit. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Next verse. And David inquired of the Lord, what should I do? Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. I want to tell some people in this room today that the devil's been after your marriage. He's been after your children. He's been after your resources. He's been after your grandchildren. He's been after, he's been after your confidence that if you filled with the Holy Spirit and, and the word of God in your mouth, go after your enemies, you will recover all. It's a promise from God to you. It's a promise from God. No matter how far away your children or grandchildren look from God or your marriage looks to be on the rocks, if you go after it with God, it can change. And so I want to tell us this whole thing about this, that you're made for war because, guys, it's in your DNA. Uh, and I want to make us really clear today is that God, there's something unique about men and there's something unique about women. And, and unfortunately, when the devil gets on this, he, the devil tries to make us compete with one another. And that is never God's intention. God's intention, man, is that you would lead your family strong alongside of your wife. Uh, what tends to happen in, in life and in church world is, is guys in any way can particularly go, well, she's the spiritual one, so I'll let her make the spiritual decisions. Or, or I'm, just, I'm just checking out because for, for whatever reason, I'm abdicating my responsibilities to lead in my family. And it happens one of two ways. This is the two problems. One is that guys will, will be chauvinistic and superior, or they'll abdicate and be weak and cowardly. And so I'll just, but that's not the way God intended you to be. That's not the way God intended me to be. C3 powerhouse men are men who lead lovingly with strength and with prayer alongside of our wives, not instead of our wives, not competing with our wives. Girls, I want you to be all that God's called you to be. I want you to lead in the church. You're allowed to lead in the church. I want you to speak. I want you to find your voice. I want you to be empowered to be all that God's called you to be. And fellas, I don't want you to rise up to to take over her place. I want you to rise up to lead and go alongside of her. And for all of us, that can take some adjusting. That's, that's why I'm, I know I'm preaching to the guys today. And I just can I just say this, husbands and wives, if you're sitting together, 
you've just got one elbow moment in the whole sermon. So if I'm saying something and you're like, oh, then just, just the one. Don't use them all up early. Just you maybe need to wait and as we're going along. Just pick the right moment as we go through. Okay, so it's in your DNA for warfare. Young, young boys will start playing with soldiers. They'll, when I was a kid, we played cowboys and Indians. Uh, uh, these days, the warfare, so that, that thing, that's that testosterone thing inside men that's higher than it is in women, it's the fight hormone. And, and guys, will they'll play Xbox and they'll, they'll play Fortnite and it's just kind of wired up thing. Uh, guys who are young, that is. Just to, just, just to say, because as you get older, you no longer do the things that you did as a child. So instead of staying up till three in the morning like you did when you were 14, when you're 25, you don't do that anymore because that's now you're a man. You've left that behind. Someone just used up your elbow moment right there. Just, just saying, just saying. All right, okay, as we move along. So you're made, you're made with it. We're, we're different. Guys have got more testosterone. Girls have got more estrogen. Danielle was telling me a little bit earlier, this is why God created kissing. Because when you kiss, there's an exchange. There's a little testosterone goes to her, a little estrogen comes to you. Girls, if you want him more nurturing and caring, pucker up. If he's not being caring enough, you know the answer, just here to help. That's your elbow moment, fellas, right there. Just uh, Apparently, testosterone going back the other way might help her sex drive. Well, I'm just here to help everybody here today. Just here to help. You can thank me later or not, but we'll just keep moving. All right, so there's this testosterone thing in our body. Okay, it's the way we're wired. So when society tries to shut men down, when society gets it wrong and says, well, we'll elevate women, but in doing so, we'll crush men, which is the opposite to the Jesus way. We'll put men down to elevate women. That's not the way. The way, to, the way God wants it is to elevate both side by side, complementary, strong together. So when society tries to shut us up and push us down and tell us we're dumb and, and makes Homer Simpson the, the model male for everybody out there, hello, don't, he's not. There's, there's something inside of you that's made to fight. There's, uh, and you, you watch. If it doesn't find a, health, a healthy outlet, it comes out wrong. It comes out at the pub with some fights. It comes out with guys just do, doing all the wrong sort of things because if you don't find the healthy outlet for the testosterone, it will leak out in the wrong places. What's this? King David, this is years later, he was a mighty warrior and a worshiper. Then in 2 Samuel 11 verse 1, it says this, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. In the season where David was supposed to be leading the army of God into battle on behalf of God, when in that season when he was supposed to be tapping into that warrior that's on the inside of him to fight for something significant, he abdicated the fight. He sent somebody else in his place. Now watch what happens. Two verses later, he's on the rooftop looking out, sees a beautiful lady who's having a bath on the roof called Bathsheba because she was having a bath on the roof. There it is, dad joke right there. Come on, I'm on fire. And then he has an affair. She gets pregnant. He ends up murdering her, set up her husband to die. It ruins his, it sabotages his call with God. You, you say it was the problem that he was sexually impure. No, the problem actually was 
He didn't go to war. He didn't find the right outlet for his testosterone, so it had to come out somewhere and he was in the wrong place. And so the challenge for us men is not to avoid the call of God on our life of spiritual warfare for our families, for our wives, for our children, for our grandchildren, or our wife, I'll just say that, for our wife, our children, and our grandchildren, different age now, our wife, our children, for our church family, strong churches, our churches, when the men are praying as well as the women, where the men say, well, I'm not just abdicating and leaving it up to them, I'm gonna rise up into my own role of that. I'm a little stirred, uh, Josh, right now about maybe getting a men's prayer meeting going. I just feel like the guys have got to rise. Not because we're not, just because I think that's the way we're wired. And if we don't, it'll come out the wrong way. You're made for war. That's the first thing I want us to know. Number two is you are the gatekeeper, men. You're the gatekeeper. And I, I want to say just this today because I know in this room, some of you, some of our ladies, uh, your husbands aren't Christians and so they're not able to do this for you. Uh, some of you are single moms and I salute you because you're being dad and mom in this particular season in your life. And that's why being part of a church is absolutely important because on a regular basis, we are praying, the leaders are praying. We're praying as gatekeepers for you, for God to bless you and protect you and to look after you. And God places you in a family for spiritual dads who are come alongside of you and your kids and give them support. The best thing you can do if you're a single parent is get your kids in church, get them in youth group, do whatever it takes. The best thing dads you can do for, and I find this on Friday nights, there's so many times it was, it's inconvenient and it has been to drive my kids to youth. So like, oh man, I want to have an early night. If they go to youth, then that means I'm picking up at 9.30. I'll be, yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? That's the moment you lay your life down and go, I'm putting them in an environment where the world's not going to get on them, where God's going to get on them. Anyway, not my points. You are the gatekeeper. Have we got any Thor fans in the house? Got some Thor fans, Avengers. Uh, Okay. In, in In Thor, Heimdall is the gatekeeper of Asgard. He stands uh, on the rainbow bridge and denies access to unwanted beings. He can open up the gate and he can close the gate. He's the protector of the galaxy. Men, can I say to you, you are the gatekeeper of your home. You are the spiritual gatekeeper. Now, now this is you with your spouse as well, but particularly for, for us. And this is why this keystone habit of warring and praying for our families is so important. I've just got to say to someone here today, it's never too late to start this habit. It's never too late to turn it around for your family, okay? You're the gatekeeper, Matthew 16, verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. For me over the years, sometimes I've physically gone to the doorway of my home and said, okay, God, I'm the spiritual doorkeeper, gatekeeper of this house. So nothing spiritually is allowed to get in unless I let it in through apathy or lack of prayer. And nothing, so nothing demonic. And then if I want God's kingdom to come into my family, I've got the authority to do that alongside my wife, but I have the authority to do that. And I'm not gonna abdicate that. I'm not gonna say she's the prayer and I'm the earner. I'm not gonna say she's the spiritual one and I'm the practical one. I'm gonna say, I'm called by God to to be a gatekeeper in our family. 
That means no matter what season's going on, you've got the authority to bind demons from coming into your family and you've got the authority to release heaven from coming into your family. So if the season's calm, you're releasing heaven. If you've got lots of young kids and it's chaos, you're still the gatekeeper releasing heaven. If there's conflict going on in your family with one another in your marriage whatever you still get to that gate and you gate and you bind division off your family and you release unity uh, you you if there's crisis going on you're there crying out for God to come into your home look if there's carnage and one or two or three of your kids or your family, uh, all hell's breaking loose and, and they're going on the, the wild side. You still stand there and you say, God, I'm releasing heaven into my family's life and I'm binding the devil off them. And over time, you'll see that God moves through you standing in that place. You are the gatekeeper. Fire up, men. Get your camo shirt on. Get your baseball bat out. Imagine an intruder's coming into your place and it's not getting past you because you are the spiritual gatekeeper. We're doing okay right now. All right, number three. Number three, number three is this. Prayer is the place of exchange. This keystone habit, and for me, it's early in the morning. I, I, my, I, I want to be the first one up in our house. That's, that's, that's one of my goals, to be the first one up. Uh, not because I'm a morning person, just because I want to get up and I want to pray and I want to seek God for my family and my relationship with Him first. So, so that keystone habit has been there for years. I'd say that would be the case 85% of the time for me. Uh, you know, and if you don't, you miss a day, you just... Don't beat yourself up. You just get up and go again or you catch up during the day. Or Some of you, you'll do it at night. You don't have to be in your home to do this. Here's the power of your spiritual life. Some of you uh, fly in, fly out, and you can pray over your family from anywhere in the world with that same spiritual authority. You've got that spiritual authority. It's how you protect your family. And prayer is the place of exchange. I love this. Paul writes to Timothy. He says, Timothy, first pray. He says, if you're gonna be a pastor, that's your keystone habit as a pastor, first pray. It says, when you pray, you open heaven to your church and you bind the devil off your church. So that's the keystone habit of a pastor. That's why being planted is so important. And then he says, I write to the men and I desire therefore that the men, okay, understand this. Many times in the Bible that when the words man's used, it's more mankind. That's the, that's the word, so it's generic. But this is one of the times it's men as in the gender, men. Specifically to men. I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. There's a physical act. Moses stood on the mountain, lifting up his hands, and while he's on the mountain praying, the children of Israel are winning the battle. Some of your kids are in other countries and other cities, but if you stand with your, your hands lifted up for God, they'll be winning their battles. It's, it's part of what's gonna happen and change. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Here's the exchange, okay. Because I think we tend to probably go one or two ways, fellas. We, we tend to, when things are going wrong, we can get angry. Like you're just a feisty person. You bottle it up. And the family knows, stay away from dad. We get harsh. We say things we regret. Ephesians 6.4 says this, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them, fathers. So if, I can, if, I, if anger's an issue for me, that's one thing. 
or the other is doubting and that's anxiety. I, I tend to find most guys go more to one way or the other. Angry and <clears throat> the Hulk comes out. Or anxious and withdraw. Isolate, shut down and not be what our families need. So the power of the exchange is when I come into prayer every morning, this is something that I'm going, God, I'm angry about this, but I'm praying through it and I'm getting it off me. So when, when I sit down for breakfast or when we hang out with my wife and my family, I'm not bringing anger into the relationship. Or if I've got anxiety about issues, I've, I've bought them before God, like Paul says, and I've prayed about them and I've got peace on me so that I'm not withdrawn and I'm coming with life and encouragement. Now, do we, do we all get this right every time? No, we don't. Do we get too angry sometimes? Absolutely. Do we get too anxious sometimes? Absolutely. But the, the antidote for this? Exchange. Giving you the pressure. I'm not expecting everyone in my home to solve my, I'm, I'm getting right with God. I'm, I'm releasing something into my own life. I'm exchanging my anger for your love. I'm exchanging my anxiety for your peace and I'm stepping up and it's a daily challenge to do that. The great thing about this, and I love this, is that every one of us as fathers, mothers, but fathers I'm talking to today have got gaps. Remember Rocky Balboa, the great prophet Rocky Balboa <laughs> talks to his wife-to-be, Adrian, and says, you got gaps and I got gaps. Together we got gaps. Adrian. <laughs> I got gaps. There's... If there was 30 habits that a father should do and the, key, the keystone one is prayer, I'm talking about, that will flow into all the others, there's some that I'm just not that good at, haven't been good at, have missed the moment on, have missed my opportunity, done the wrong thing, missed my mark, I've got gaps. There's no thing, such thing as a perfect father on earth. We've all got gaps. So the power of prayer is I'm praying that my kids... And then my grandkids. If you're no longer a, if you're a, a granddad, your power, your prayers still have power to set up the generations to come. So your prayers has the power to connect people to the ultimate Father, the heavenly Father, who's got no gaps, who's got no no shortcomings as a father, who's full of love, who's full of the, the best thing you can do as a dad is to connect your kids to the perfect heavenly father and go, hey, I've got gaps, but he doesn't. He'll, he'll fill all the gaps. He'll fill all the, he'll make up for all my stuff. And all of us need God to make up for our stuff. That's why the house of God is so powerful. So right across this room today, fellas, that's a challenge for all of us. I'm, I'm challenging myself as I preach. I'm, remind, I'm reminding myself of things. You're made for spiritual warfare. You are the gatekeeper. Prayer is the place of exchange with God, spiritual exchange. Can we close our eyes right now? Here's my 
challenge. If you're wanting to say, I'm going to take up the challenge, Pastor John. I'm going to step into this role that you're, called, you're talking about, this keystone habit that will flow into the rest of my life, particularly dad and family life. I'm not just talking now to dads. I'm just talking to men. Because if you get this habit right, it'll be there for the future for your families. Maybe it's as a spiritual dad, you need to get this right. But this is what I want you to do. If you're saying, okay, I'll take the 21-day challenge. For the next 21 days, I'll pray for at least 10 to 15 minutes a day. And I'll stand for my family. I'll bind and I'll loose. I'll, I'll stand on behalf of my family. I'll pray that God will restore back what the devil's stolen or trying to steal. I'll pray protection. And if you already do it, I want you to put your hand up as well. But if you're taking as part of the challenge, if you're saying, I'm going to do this for the next 21 days, I want you just to put your hand up and say, I'm going to do that today. I'm, making this, I'm taking this challenge. The next 21 days, I'm taking this challenge, 10 to 15 minutes a day to pray for my family. The reason I'm saying 21 days is I believe this could set up a habit for you for the rest of your life that could be life-giving for your family. I'm going to pray for those guys with your hands raised. Father, I'm praying that this house would be a house of prayer, that the C3 Powerhouse men would be men of prayer, and that our families would be blessed because we give you the priority in our lives. Help us to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With your eyes closed still, you put your hands down, guys. I, I am going to do a boot camp soon, just really on practically how to pray. Six things to pray, even in 15 minutes. I'll let you know when that's going to happen. I read recently that families, uh, the average Aussie spends two hours and 47 minutes on TV. That's the average. So I reckon we've probably got room to put 15 minutes of prayer in. His eyes are closed. Father, I'm praying for everyone in this room. For your peace in every challenge. Lord, I know today stirs things up in people. And I pray that you would, as our perfect Father, bring peace to us. Just while our eyes are closed, maybe your next step, and now I'm talking to everyone in the room and everyone online, maybe praying every day is not your next step. That would be too much of a stretch. But just opening up your heart to God is your next step. Surrendering your life to God. You're, you're created for a relationship with God. It's in your DNA. It's in your wiring. Pascal said, a 16th century theologian, that in every one of us, there is a, a gap or a void in our heart that can only be filled by God. And we can try all sorts of other ways to fill this gap in our soul, in our heart. We can try material things. We can try pleasure. We can try wisdom, success, achievements, relationships. But while they might be enjoyable for a moment, they'll end up leaving us empty because the only thing that's going to satisfy my heart and your heart is this eternal longing is to have a relationship with God. That's why God sent his son Jesus to make a way for us to have that relationship. And so this morning, if you're here 
and you're not walking with God, you'll recognize that something's missing in your heart, something's missing in your life. There's a, there's a sense that nothing's really satisfying. That's because God wants to be the center of your life. He wants, you, he wants to be your father. He wants you to come back to him. He wants to fill your heart with his love. He wants to fill your heart with his peace. He wants to, to connect you to your divine purpose and calling so that you have a significance in your life. That's what God wants for you. But he won't make that happen. It's a choice. You have to surrender to him. In a moment, if you're wanting to pray a prayer, inviting God into your heart, just like Felinga talked about earlier, making that prayer to get right with God, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer that will change everything. Maybe at one point you've been a Christian, you've walked with God, gone to kids' church, gone to Sunday school, been in church, but you've drifted away. Might have been a crisis. Might have just been distraction. Might have got too busy. What, something's happened and you've disconnected from God. And today you know as you're sitting here in church that you're not right with Him. He's not number one. You didn't stop believing in Him, but He's just not the center of your life. And today's your day to come back to God. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand as well. Or maybe you're here today and you're just not sure if you're gonna go to heaven when you die. You hope you are. You think, well, I believe that God's real and I'm pretty good. That'll get me there. But the truth is that the devil believes that God's real. That doesn't get him to heaven. And being good enough, the Bible says all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, no matter who's, how good you've been. If we were good enough, Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die on that cross. But he was, he did, he came and he was nailed to a cross for our sin in our place to give us the free gift of salvation and eternity with, with him. So right now, right across this room, if you're saying, John, I want God to come into my life. I wanna begin a relationship with him or I wanna come back to him or I wanna recommit my life to him. I want you right now just to raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Thanks, man, up the back, I see your hand. Who else right now, if you're watching online, this moment's for you as well. If you're saying, John, I wanna reconnect my life to God or I wanna get right with God today, I wanna be sure I'm going to heaven. Would you just raise your hand up real high and say, that's me as well. I wanna connect with God. I wanna get right with God. I feel like there's at least two two more people in the room right now. Today's your day. Today's your day to surrender to God. Thanks, man. See your hand. It's awesome. Fantastic. You can put your hand down. The two guys who put your hand up. Who's that other person right now? Today's your day to get right with God. You can feel your heart pounding because God's speaking to your heart. Your head can be arguing with a hundred reasons why you don't need to do this, but your heart knows that something's wrong and you need to get it right. And today's the day to take the step to get it right. So if you're a guy, today's the day to man up and make that decision. If you're a woman, it's your chance as well. Thanks, man, I see your hand. Three guys, that's awesome. You can put your hand down. If you're watching online, this is for you. I want us to pray a prayer together. Can we keep our eyes closed and pray with these three men who just have raised their hand and are surrendering their life to God today? I don't know your story, but I know that as you step towards God, he's gonna take a step towards you. Can we all pray this prayer together after me? Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me for my sin in my place. And today I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I renounce the devil and all his works. Fill me with your Holy Spirit 
and the power of God. I thank you today that I am forgiven, born again, going to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for every person making that decision. Good men. Good guys online, thank you for doing that. Uh, those of you who raised your hand, one of, the, one of our team is gonna come and say hi afterwards. We wanna help you build that relationship with God and you can't do it alone. That's why we wanna help you. So someone will see you afterwards. Hey, dads, have a great Father's Day. God bless you. Thank you so much, Teresa.